Hello there, and thanks for joining the podcast today. Cremation. That's the topic. Cremation. You know, what does a family do upon the death of a loved one? You know, we don't talk much about death. We don't talk much about burial, the preparations for a body of a loved one, a family member. That's generally something that is left to the very last minute. And sometimes we don't even talk about it until the death occurs. And then we're forced into a decision to make under usual great emotional strain and stress and tension, family tensions, family preferences. Some want this, some want that. You know, they have different emotional experiences for dear old mom or dad or whomever. It's a tough time to make a decision. So first of all, Number one is, make your decision early on. Make a decision before the death, years before the death, if, if possible. So that you as a family are ready, you're prepared, and you can make the necessary arrangements so that when the death occurs, it just flows naturally, and the decisions are carried out by the family members. Now, when you make a decision beforehand, you can always consider the wishes and the preferences of the person who will soon to be deceased. But if you wait until after the death, then it's hard to know really what was the preference of an individual. What would he have or she wanted upon her death? So we're left with a lot of quandary. So obviously the point is, make a decision early. Number two, Pay for the costs up front. Get it done now. Pay the cost. Cemeteries and various kinds of uh, funeral home and companies in this business have pre-arrangements for the burial of an individual. And um, the costs can be prepaid, and then they're fixed. So whenever the death occurs, we have it paid for. And then the family members, the children, are not left with making a major decision of great financial strain. Then it matters we make decisions on the basis of the economics, which is the cheaper way to go, I guess. Sometimes we family makes that member. That's not the way to bury a person. That's not the way to honor a person in the family. It's not the way to show respect. The way to do it is to pre-plan. And then do what would be respectful and honorable to the deceased person as well as to the remaining family members. So if you pay it up front, you can then make wise decisions, just decisions. And the economics are taken care of so that you can make a decision on the basis of the best interest of the family. And certainly it's the best interest of the remaining family, the living family, that you want to honor. Now, what about cost? Economics is a factor. Well, we have two factors. We have two basic options. We have cremation, and we have the burial of the body. Now, we buried the body always until 1876, 100 years after the formation of America. 1876 was the first cremation. And only about 5% of the individuals 
were cremated over all the years until 1972 when it became 50% or just about 50% of the population. No, pardon me, no, pardon me, 5%, 5% until 1972. From 1876 to 1972, 5% of the burials were by cremation. And then after that, it started to skyrocket. And now we have cremation about 50% of the times in the last couple of years. Now, when we look at economics, burial costs can be as much as $10,000. A very inexpensive burial might be five or seven, but ten, twelve to fifteen thousand dollars is not uncommon. Taking care of all the arrangements for the burial of an individual. So you see why paying that ahead of time makes sense. But it also makes sense also to consider cremation, because then you're talking about two thousand dollars, maybe twenty-five hundred dollars, and it will increase. The cost of both burial and cremation is gradually increasing every single year. So if you wait five years, if you wait ten years to pay your costs, you're going to pay considerably more. Of course, over the years, you maybe have more money to pay for it. So maybe that's a wise decision overall. But if you're not going to have more money, you're going to have less money in the next ten years, you might want to nail down the cost of a burial or cremation at this point in time so you can handle the costs of this particular family event. Now, cremation, that's the issue. That's often, I'm often asked the question, what do I think about cremation? What, is, what does the church think about cremation? What does the Catholic church think about cremation? What does the Protestant church think about it? What does the Bible say about cremation? Commonly I'm asked that in my clinical practice or among individuals that know me. And um, my basic answer is this, and you can kind of look at the various ways of interpreting this, but the Bible does not speak for or against cremation. It only refers to the, just the disposal of the body through a burial kind of process. Now, that could be anything. So the Bible does not preclude or does not advocate for one system or another. Secondly, what about the Catholic Church? Well, until 1963, the Catholic Church banned cremation. And so that was not allowable. Now, many Catholics did it, contrary to the policies and wishes of the Church. But it was 1970, pardon, 1963, 1963, that the cremation ban was lifted, allowing the Catholics to go ahead and bury through the process of cremation. The stipulation was that the ashes were not to be distributed generally in the, on the earth, but to be disposed of in a cemetery in a respectful way and buried as one might bury a body. So the ashes were to be disposed of in a cemetery in a respectful location. That's the Catholic position. Now I know people who are Catholics who don't honor that. They dispose of them in various places. The waters of the ocean or the lake, 
the river, mountains, special places, special family locations that are important to the family, many, many different choices. But the Catholic Church is primarily of the position that cremation is to be finalized through burial in a uh, burial plot within a cemetery. The Protestant Church is more general, more open. And there is no restriction as to where the ashes are placed. That's the decision of the individual. Now, when you look at it from this perspective, as, as a psychologist, it's very important to me that the individual, the individual family uh, take into account many different factors, okay? How do you best show your respect to the person who is now deceased? You see, you want to be able to walk away after the burial, and when it's all over, knowing that you've done this in a respectful way, and you can honor yourself as you have reflections and memories of the deceased individual. So it's very possible, it's very reasonable to make arrangements where you can look positive upon what you've done with respect for the individual and respect for the family that's remaining. So respect is a big issue. The second factor, of course, is you want to have a way that you can have remembrance of the individual who has died. Sometimes you need a place that you go to so that you can have memories, you can have reflections on the life of that individual or the influence of that individual in your life. You want to have a place of identity. So burial sometimes is very important to consider. Will this be a place you might return to? Will this be a place you can go back to? and have a moment of reflection, of remembrance of the individual. There are many, many family members that want that and need that, so it has to be considered. Can you live with it? That's the third point. Can you live with it? Whatever you do, whether you bury, and whether you put the ashes in the ground somewhere, in the mountains, in the ocean, or in a cemetery plot, can you live with it? When somebody asks you the question, can you live with it? You know, can you, uh, with honor and dignity, indicate and tell a story about what you did and why? And can you live with it? Because if there's guilt, if there's shame, if you haven't done it properly, if you feel like you have not honored the wishes and the desires of the deceased person, then it's going to be hard to live with it. So you have to be able to say, can I live with it afterwards? and be honorable in whatever you do. And then lastly, whatever you do in the burial, whether you do it by cremation or you do it by body burial, wherever you do it, it has to help your grieving process. You know, grieving the death of an individual is a very important experience. It's a very personal experience. And it's important to be able to say, whatever you did with the body helped you grieve. It helped you get through the process of the loss of the individual. And that you went through the emotions of depression and the experience of loss. And then the experience of recovery. So it should help you in the process of going through the grieving 
to come out with recovery and come out with pride and honor and respect and and good wishes and good welfare and good thoughts and good memories of the individual that has died, the family member that has died. It must help your grieving process. It must help you resolve. It must help you let go. It must help you you release that person from your life so that you can go on and live a productive life without that individual in your life. But I might add one other point. Whatever you do, it should help you reduce the hurt that you may feel, the sorrow that you may feel in the death of that individual. Sometimes somebody dies in our family life and we are left with much hurt that's been unresolved, never had forgiveness, never had a time of mutual rehabilitation and recovery and forgiveness. So whatever you do in the burial process, whatever you do in the final days of a person's uh, life and part of your life, make sure that you do something. You do it in a manner that resolves the hurt and the anguish, the grief, the sorrow, and the ill feelings that you may have unfinished. We call that unfinished business, the unfinished feelings. So make sure that you make a decision within the, in the context of those factors. So that's how a psychologist looks at it. But whatever you do, make sure that the person that you are saying goodbye to would feel good about how you did it would have a good feeling about how you did it. Kind of think of it in that context. But whatever you do, make sure that you can live with it. So that you've done the right thing. You've done a good thing. You've done an honorable thing. And you've done a thing you can be proud of and that you can share with other people. You can share your experience. And then, the last thing I would tell you this. When you bury an individual in your family, within the next month, Get out your journal and start writing in your journal. If you journal, then just add another couple pages and journal about that person and the, per and the meaning of that person in your life and what you're going to lose and what you're going to miss. Journal those kind of thoughts and experiences. But if you don't journal, this might be an opportunity to start journaling. Kind of start a daily or a weekly or a monthly journal of what's going on in your life and what's going on in the people in your life. So, journal. It's an important process of thinking things through, reflecting on experiences, bringing meaning to experiences in our life, putting them in perspective, helping us remember them and have good thoughts and good memories of what's gone on in our life. So I certainly would recommend that you do a journal entry if you can possibly do so. Anyway, that's where we are now with our topic of cremation and uh, not advocating for one or the other but those are some of the factors you got to remember whether you do burial or you do cremation do it in a manner that is right and proper and respectful for you and the family now before I go I want you just to know about rescue the children here in Fresno it's a program for mothers and children often who've been living on the street or in very impoverished situations, can now live in an apartment building and um, have rehabilitation services and then 
establish themselves as independent individuals once again. That program is under the Fresno Rescue Mission. It's a program for mothers and children under that program. So if that's an important, in, in important ministry or service to you, then support them. Become acquainted with them. But if you don't know about them, that's something you may want to do. Here's a telephone number that you can call and find out more about it. 559-268-0839. 559-268-0839. And you call that number and they'll tell you about Rescue the Children. And uh, might even give you a tour of the facility. And uh, if you have a few bucks, send them some. They exist on the donations and gifts that they get from other people in their life. So... Uh, uh, make sure that you do what you can to be of help to them, okay? Bye for now.